Welcome to the teaching on overcoming temptation. My name is Chaplain Gail Crock. I'm president and co-founder of Spiritual Care Consultants of West Michigan. Temptation is a very common thing that people deal with today, every one of us. Many times I hear people battling with the question, if I'm tempted, is it sin? The answer is no. Acting on temptation, that's what makes it sin. But let's take a look a minute, because I think it's very important, to look at where do temptations come from? How does the enemy tempt us? James chapter 1, 12 through 15 gives us the answer to all this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now we see two key ingredients from this scripture. Well, first of all, we see that when we are tempted, the enemy tempts us out of our own evil desires. And many times, I believe, our own evil desires are developed through experiences and events in our soul that wound us, that cause us to have desires we should not have. You know how you can go through an event or go through a traumatic event and start drinking and smoking and doing other things you wouldn't normally do, then those desires become desires in your life. And the enemy, he will look at you and look at me and look at areas and ways where we are already weak. And so our own evil desires is one way, and our soul wounds are another and James tell us that we tells us that we must persevere under trial. And so therefore God gives us the power to persevere even in the face of temptation. Third John verse two says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. And third John tells us that if your soul isn't doing well, you are not doing well. And I also want to say today that the number one thing that we have to deal with in our own lives is denial. Many times the enemy convinces us that we really don't have a problem, that this isn't really a problem. We don't do this very much. And you, you go in and out, in and out, in and out of the same old sinful lifestyle without truly never conquering it because of denial. So it's good to be honest about what we're struggling with. It's good to be honest with the temptations that we are being faced with. Now, I want to say this, that the battlefield is first in the mind, and we have to become aware of our thought life. We have to become aware the moment an evil thought comes in our minds, and we must grab that thought and give it to the Lord and begin to change what we're thinking about. But one of the things I want to say to you today is that you can overcome temptation and victory was already won 2,000 years ago on the cross of Jesus Christ. Now I want to talk about the 14 keys to overcoming temptation. The key number one is you have to want to be free. 
John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ desires to set you free. But he cannot set you free if you don't want to be free. The Lord has given us all a free will and the power of choice. We can choose whether we want to be free or not. Often at spiritual care, I will ask people, do you really want to be free from that habit? If they say yes, then I say, now we can pray and ask the Lord to break the chains. And it's amazing what God will do when a person says yes to wanting to be free. The Lord definitely loves you, and if you don't want to be free yet, my prayer for you today is that you would come to the point where you would say, Lord, I want to be free. Point number two, taking every thought captive. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. After a person says they want to be free, the next thing they have to start to do after they're freed is to take every thought captive. Like I said earlier, the battlefield is in the mind. We have to develop new neurological pathways that have to do with our thought life. So in other words, we have to become aware of what we're thinking about. Many times I see people go into that thought process and they start thinking on negative thoughts and before you know it, they're right down into the depths of despair. Catching a thought or grabbing a thought is kind of like trying to grab a hold of a grease pig. Very hard to do. But it is necessary and it is possible and we must make the thoughts obedient to Christ. And it's interesting here, it says you've got to make the thoughts obedient, which means they don't want to be obedient. And when you're in a trial and when you're going through a hard time, the last thing I know that many people want to do is to use a tool like taking every thought captive. But we must become disciplined in our thought life and disciplined in recognizing when we are thinking thoughts that are going to bring us into temptation, and we must, through the power of the Holy Spirit, grab those thoughts, give them to the Lord, and then go to the next step and change what you're thinking about. Many times I will share with people about having a go-to scripture, a scripture or something you can go to to change your thinking. Now you might ask, why is that so important? Simply the reason is, if you don't change what you're thinking about and get out of the negative thought process, you will go back to that old stinking thinking, the temptation will come back, and you'll fall right back into the pit that you came out of. So, let's be quick to take every thought captive, and let's do what this scripture says. Let's take out our divine weapons. Let's take out the power of the Holy Spirit, and let's grab a hold of that thoughts are those thoughts that are setting themselves up against the knowledge of God. And let's take those thoughts captive and obedient to Christ Jesus. Point number three, make Jesus Lord of your life. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
You know, there are many Christians today that have Christ in their life, but he's not really Lord of their life. And the Lord wants you to surrender everything to him. If you're truly going to overcome temptation and win the battle of of conquering a habit, you will have to surrender your all to Jesus Christ. Growing up, there was a hymn we heard all the time in church. It was, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And when we surrender all to Jesus Christ, then he can truly fill us with his power so we can win the battle. Point number four, pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, we cannot truly be filled with the Holy Spirit if we are not surrendering our all, like I talked about in point number three. But Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So you see, we are to be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. The Apostle Paul knew that in life we would go through things. At salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit as we invite Jesus into our heart. But we are also told to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And now, there is something I've seen when it comes to conquering temptation and getting victory over habits. I have seen people get prayed for and seen them get delivered instantaneously from their habit. And that's wonderful. But the majority of the people that I've witnessed many times have to fast and pray to get their breakthrough and have to persevere. And I do not know why that is, but I would encourage you today to fast and pray for your breakthrough. Now, if you're going to fast and pray, I would encourage you to talk to a pastor and get some wise counsel on what type of a fast you should do because there are many fasts. The purpose of a fast truly is to bring us closer to Jesus Christ and to get into God's presence. And when we would normally be eating food, we would be praying and seeking the Lord. In Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 11, it talks about the type of fast that God likes. And it says this, Is this not the kind of fast that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. If you do not turn away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise and shine in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be a well-watered garden like the springs 
whose waters never fail. What a scripture. I love it. The purpose and the, what God likes to do with fasting is he likes to set people free from the very thing that's oppressing them. He wants to untie the cords of your yoke. He desires to set you free. And one of the avenues God uses to do that is fasting and prayer. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In the Greek, that reads, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, keep on knocking until you get your breakthrough. So never give up. Even when you find that you have fallen into sin, get back up, ask for forgiveness, go on, keep seeking, keep asking, and keep knocking. Point number five, don't give up. Jude one twenty four says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I love this scripture. I love how it reads in the original language. What it really says in the original language, it doesn't say that you won't ever stumble and it doesn't say that you won't ever fall. But what it does mean that if you do fall, you won't fall beyond repair. You'll be able to keep get back up and keep on going. In the book of Revelations, in the uh, chapters 1 through 3, it says, To him who overcomes, and it says it many times. And many times, people don't understand that overcoming, what that really means is, it's a process. Overcoming and winning a battle over a habit or a temptation is a process so we can't give up. If you stumble, get back up, brush your knees off, ask for forgiveness, and keep on going. Point number six, use your spiritual authority in Christ Jesus. I just want to say over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross, ascended into hell, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan, and arose victorious and healed totally free so we could be victorious and walk in our healing. Revelation twelve eleven says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Now, folks, I want to say to you today that the blood of the Lamb has great power. One of the things you can use as a weapon is the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you feel that you're under a spiritual attack, you can say to the enemy, the blood of Jesus against you, get away from me. You can also use the weapon of the word of God. You can use the power of the cross, the power of prayer. You can ask God to send the angels to encamp around you. There are divine weapons you can use to stay free. But you and I, when Jesus died on the cross, When he rose again, he gave his authority to his disciples and he gave his authority to us and he gave us the right to use the power of his name to overcome the enemy in the battle. And you know what? Just don't rebuke him in your mind. Rebuke him out loud. Use the words of your mouth. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue and you can eat the fruit thereof. So you know what? 
Use your words. Do not be afraid. You do not have to be perfect to use your spiritual authority. All you have to be is a believer. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you then are a believer. You then have the power and authority to overcome. Now, I know you might say, well, you don't know the sin I battle with. Well, you know, all of us battle with temptation to sin. But you know what? Pick up your authority and use it, and don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you don't have the right. Point number seven, find a prayer partner to battle with you. Many times when you're in the battle, you need a trusted friend to stand with you in your time of need. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another. So you know what? It's good to have a friend. And I want to say here, the friend must be a trusted friend because you don't want to just choose anyone. You want to choose someone that is trustworthy because when you're in the battle, you might need to call them and say, hey man, I'm really in the battle and I really need you to pray for me. And so find a trusted friend to battle with you. Point number eight, get in a good church. Now, if you don't have a church home and you've been wounded by the church, you might have to go for some healing on this before you get into a church. But you need to be a part of a church body. Many churches will have resources like Celebrate Recovery, Divorce Care, and many other things. And Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up the meeting together as some are in a habit of doing but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. And when this scripture was written, the writer knew that in the last days, evil would increase and temptations would increase and that you and I would need to be a part of a good church body. So I just want to encourage you to look for a good church. And I also want to encourage you, if you've been wounded by the church, to get your wounds healed, come to spiritual care, let us help you overcome the fears and help you get back in to a church where you can be surrounded and surrounded by other believers. Point number nine, find some go-to scriptures, scriptures you can go to when you're being faced with temptation. I can't say it enough, the importance of being in God's Word. Many believers are really not informed on what the Word of God says about many different subjects. I would encourage you to go to the Scriptures, identify Scriptures that address your situation and the temptation that you are battling with. Two of my favorite Scriptures are found in the Psalms. In fact, Psalms 119, verse 9 and verse 11, how can a young man stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? And then Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, I want to share with you that the scripture has power. The Bible says that the scripture is God breathed. It is living and it is active and it has the power to bring great healing to your mind. It will help you in the day of battle, in the day of temptation. Another great scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 
which we will quote later on in this teaching, which says, No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation provide a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And I just want to say to you today that not only is it important for you to read the Scripture, but it is important to memorize the Scripture. And when I say memorize, a lot of people think they can't memorize anything. But I say, yes, you can. There's a way to do it where you can memorize the Word because if you're in a, a time of battle, you might not have your, ba- your uh, Bible with you. So you need the Word of God written on the tablets of your heart. So when the temptation comes, you can immediately bind it, give it to the Lord, and go to the Scripture. So one of the things you want to do is memorize the Word. And one of the ways I do it is I find a small Scripture first. I find a verse that really addresses a situation and I write it on a 5 by 7 card or a 3 by 5 card, and I write it out, reference, verse, and reference. And I will say that verse out loud 20 times before I even try to memorize it, and I will say it several, several times each and every day until I have it memorized. Then when I get in a battle, when that battle comes, I immediately change what I'm thinking on to the Word of God, to the Scripture that gives me strength. Point number 10, get your soul wounds healed. I can't say this enough. I quoted 3 John verse 2 earlier, and I will read it again. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. The reason I read this again is because The state of your soul is critical to overcoming temptation. If you have big, gaping soul wounds, um, it is going to be very hard to live in the victory you need. So give spiritual care a call and go through a healing ministry that deals with the wounds of your soul. Why? Because when the enemy looks to attack us, he looks to areas where we're weak in one of those areas Um, our wounds in our soul. And when the enemy looks at us, he can see those wounds. And then point number 11 is this. Make soaking your soul a lifestyle. Malachi 4.2 says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and in his beams of light. That's according to the Amplified Version of the Bible. Now, you might say, what in the world is soaking my soul? We do that here at Spiritual Care where we put on some uh, quiet instrumental music and we get before the Lord and we ask him to identify any wound in our soul that he wants to heal. When he identifies the area, what we do is apply the blood of Jesus to the area And we forgive everyone involved with the wound that wounded us. And then what we do is we take the feelings, we take the feelings that are there, all the negative feelings, the stress, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, despair, and we lay them at the cross and we give them all to Jesus Christ. And then with our eyes shut, we invite Jesus to come and heal us with 
his presence. Because I want to say to you today, there is no psychological method that will heal your soul. Now, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord. According to the scripture, you and I have three parts. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. And according to the word of God, your soul is the seat of the intellect, will, and emotions. And what happens when our soul is wounded, the first thing to be affected is our mind. And our mind is is affected by stress, anxiety, depression, and many other things. So when you get before the Lord, you identify the wound, you ask the Lord, and you, you ask for forgiveness, and you forgive those that hurt you, you lay the negative feelings at the cross, and you sit there in the presence of the Lord, and you invite Him to come, and you wait on Him to take the pain out of that wound. Now, If you see the Lord in your mind's eye, which many people do, and he is showing you something, ask him why he is showing you that. And then when he shows you, just stay there with him until the pain is out of the wound. And you know, we often teach at Spiritual Care that forgiveness is not a one-time event, but a lifestyle. So many times we have to forgive people more than once because the repeat offenders and it comes up before us, we continue to put things on God's hook. But we also teach at spiritual care that forgiveness, that healing is not a one-time event, but a process. So make soaking your soul a lifestyle because many times the healing of our souls is like peeling an onion. God will take us in layers until that wound is healed. Point number 13, remember, God always provides a way to escape. Now, I want to read a scripture, but I'm going to read it in phrases, and I'm going to talk about it, and it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This would be a great scripture for you to put to memory. And it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Now, what that means is the temptation you are going through, you're not alone. Other people have gone through the temptation just like you, so it's not common. Then it goes on and says, and God is faithful. So God wants you to know that in the midst of your temptation, he is faithful to you. Then it says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. So God isn't going to let your temptation overwhelm you. He is going to stop it when it gets to a certain point. But it goes on and says, when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. God always provides a way out of temptation. You can get out. You've got two feet. Two feet. If you're in a place and you're being tempted, leave that place. If you're thinking about something in your mind, get out of that thinking. Go to a go-to scripture. Go to a, a, a scripture that brings you encouragement and helps you. Now, God always provides a way out, and he's always faithful, even in the midst of temptation. But you know what? We many times struggle with the way of escape. We struggle with not choosing it, because the bottom line is, sometimes sin is pleasurable, and we like it. So we have to choose to take that way out, 
We have, choo- we have to choose to deny our flesh, and we have to choose to walk in the Spirit. Point number 13, monitor your gates. I want to talk about three gates that must be monitored. Your eye gate, your ear gates, and your feet gate. You say, what do you mean? Well, be careful what you're looking at, be careful what you're listening to, and be careful where you're going. I remember growing up, we learned a, a little rhyme in, in uh, Sunday school. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then it's, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. <laughs> so you know what? We have to monitor our gates. Don't be watching things that's going to tempt you. Don't be listening things that are going to tempt you. And don't be going places that are going to tempt you. Because you know what? That's just like walking right into the enemy's trap. He loves it when you do that. So monitor your gates. Number 14, dress yourself in the armor of God every day. Now I want to take a minute to talk about how to protect yourself from the attack of the enemy and from the fiery darts that come at us each and every day. Because believe me, the fiery darts do come at us each and every day. And One of the ways we pick those fiery darts up as negative thoughts that come in our mind and things that tempt us. And I love the scripture, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Now I'm going to read this in phrases. Then I'm going to talk about the different phrases and what they mean to me and how they can help you. The writer starts out by saying, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, how do we become strong in the Lord? Well, it's quite simple, by spending time with him and in his word. We must become strong in the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit and be in his mighty power. Then it goes on and it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, we, we have to have every piece of armor in place and we have to be aware of the devil's schemes. You know, he is always scheming, always wanting to come against us. Then it goes on and says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness in this world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You know, your struggle is not against your co-worker, it's not against your neighbor, but it's against the spiritual forces that come against you and I every day. So what we need to do is ask God to bind the spiritual forces in the name of Jesus that are doing battle against us that are working through other people and through their words. And so therefore, we must be aware, not living in fear, living in faith, but arm ourselves with the armor of God and the blood of Jesus to come against the enemy. Then he goes on to say, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. So what the writer is saying here is the day of evil will come. But when it comes, stand your ground, because if you are dressed in God's armor, you will be able to stand firm and get the victory. Then he goes on to say in verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Live a life of truth. With a breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In order for your feet to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, you have to be in God's word and be in God's presence on a regular basis so that you are prepared in the battle. 
Then he goes on, and I like what he says here. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Now, he's really focusing here on the shield of faith because, you know, it's the number one thing the enemy wants from you. The enemy wants your shield of faith. Why? So that you will put it down so he can hit you with his fiery darts. Now, what, what is the shield of faith? What does it consist of? It's faith in the word of God. When you know who you are in Christ and what the word of God says, when the fiery darts come and the arrows are flying at you, you can put up your shield and put the fiery darts out. And this is what the writer says. He goes on to say, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Praise God. When the flaming arrows come at you, you can take them out and they can be extinguished by the shield of faith. Then he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness, he would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. So it's very important that when the fiery darts come, we put up our shield and then we take up our sword and go on the offense. Not only should we be quoting it is written to the things that God has said in his word. But if, if you've ever been given a word from the Lord or a prophetic word that you know is from the Lord, you want to fight with that too. So you want to take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Then it says in verse 18, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, one day when I was reading in the Bible, I spotted something else that brought me encouragement. It was Romans 13, 12. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. When I saw that, I was so excited because the Bible talks about that you and I can be dressed in the armor of light. You know, you have the armor of God and the armor of light. Then it says in Ephesians that God dwells in inapproachable light. Then it Psalms says in Psalms 104 verse 2 that God wraps himself in light as a garment. But then it also says in Isaiah 58, 8, that the glory of God will be our rear guard. What is the glory of God full? The light of heaven. And so you have protection. Don't live in fear of the enemy because Christ has won the battle for you. Remember, dress yourself in the armor of God and the armor of light each and every day. I would like to end the teaching today by praying for you. I know how important prayer is. I also know how important it is that when you're in a battle that you get the prayer that you need. And I just want to ask the Lord today to strengthen you with his power and his might as you stand against the temptations that are coming against you each and every day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. I thank you, Lord, that today that your presence is all we need. And I pray that your presence would surround each and every person that's under the sound of my voice right now. 
I pray that you would strengthen them in the midst of the battle, strengthen them in their hour of temptation, help them to use the word of God and the divine weapons of warfare that you have given us to overcome every temptation and every evil attack. I pray that you would dispatch the angels of heaven to go, to surround them right now in the name of Jesus and to fight on their behalf and to minister to them. Lord, just like you and you were being tempted when it was done, the angels came and attended to you. I pray that you would send the angels of heaven to attend to those that are being tempted, to those that are in the battle. I come against the spirit of depression, discouragement, and hopelessness, Lord. In the name and the power of the blood of the Lamb, I ask that they would be bound and taken away. And I pray right now that the light of your glory would flood their soul right now. I pray that you would wrap them with your wings of healing, as it says in Malachi 4.2. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that each and every person listening to this CD today would be able to receive healing, victory, hope, and encouragement through the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've listened to this today, but you've not come through the ministry of spiritual care, and you've not come from the for the healing you need, I would encourage you to give us a call at 269-929-2901 to set up an appointment. I would also encourage you to visit our website, www.spiritualcareconsultants.com to learn more about us. I want to leave you with this. Remember, you can overcome, and the victory is yours through Christ Jesus.